the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Some things you can talk about all day long, but until you experience it, you will never fully appreciate or understand. David is saying, listen, I can talk to you about God. I can tell you about my life experience. I can give you my testimony, but I just want you to know that you yourself have to taste and see how good the Lord is. And when people say, well, God is not good and God is not loving and God is not just and God is not merciful, they have not experienced him. Because when you taste and see that the Lord is good, you know that He is all those things. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. The Lord is good. The fact is that which we experience with and through God cannot accurately be explained to those who have not experienced God. Pastor Gary teaches us today that this is exactly what David is saying in Psalm 34. He states that though he can share his testimony and speak of all of God's great deeds done for him, others cannot truly understand it unless they too allow God in their lives. If you have not yet had the great experience of a one-on-one relationship with Christ, accept him into your heart today. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 34 for part two of today's message titled, God's Mercy for Our Mess. servants of the king recognize him. Isn't this the guy that they're doing the cheerleader chant about? You know, the, the, the whole thing about Saul is slain his thousands and David is tens of thousands. This is that guy who killed Goliath. This is that guy, King Achish. And at this moment, now David knows his cover's been blown. So what does he do? Tonight's Oscar night, right? This, this is what David does. He's, he's going to make Denzel Washington look like a, a just a nobody. David begins, yeah, he's, David's going to be nominated for the Best actor in a motion picture movie. Okay, here he is now, just realizing my cover's been blown. What am I going to do? Okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to just pretend to be insane. Ah! <laughs> and he starts scratching on the door. Ah! Ah! And he's got spit. He like foams at the mouth. He's got spit coming off his beard. He's like, ah, I'm crazy. I'm, don't mind me. Ah! <laughs> now, it works to a degree. Because I love King Achish's answer. King Achish looks at him and goes, don't I have enough madmen already? I got enough madmen in the city of Gath. I, I don't need this guy, so just get rid of him. Well, actually, it, that was God's intervention. Because then David escapes 
And we read it a moment ago, chapter 22, there of 1 Samuel says, and he goes to the city of Adullam, to a cave in Adullam. Adullam is about nine miles east of Gath. And he flees there for his life because he realizes he could have easily been killed in Gath after they recognized him. And while in the cave of Adullam, David will write Psalm 34. Now, if you'll go back to Psalm 34, let's tie this together. With that background in mind, we now have the context to understand that David writes Psalm 34. Listen to me on this. He writes Psalm 34 as a psalm of gratitude about how God gets us out of the messes we make. That's what Psalm 34 is about. And he uses it as a teaching moment. This is why he writes it as an alphabetical acrostic, because he wants it to be known and memorized and easily remembered. Here's my life. Here's something foolish I did. I could have been killed for it. And God rescued me. He actually writes two psalms from the cave of Adullam. He writes this psalm, Psalm 34, and also Psalm 56. And we know that because the subtitle of Psalm 56 says that it is of David a miktam when the Philistines had seized him in Gath. So you can go home and read Psalm 56 later. It is a companion psalm to Psalm 34. I will quote a couple of verses from it in the course of our study today. But primarily we're going to be looking here at Psalm 34. But both Psalm 34 and 56 are about the same thing. David wants the generations after him, including ours, here we are 3,000 years after David, to know and understand that God delivers undeserving people from the mess we create. That's what this psalm is about. And David knows it firsthand. He's like, I'm in a mess. And he'll make other messes in his life. He's in his early 20s here, okay? His affair with Bathsheba happened when he was around 50. So he's going to make some other blunders and sins and mistakes in his life. But he's writing here Psalm 34 as a young man in his 20s. And he says, basically, I just want everybody to understand. God is a merciful God. And he will deliver undeserving people from the messes we create. We create. Not because we deserve it, not because we have earned it somehow, but because God in his mercy loves to deliver people from the messes that we bring upon ourselves. And this is that psalm. Now here in Psalm 34, David is going to admit that what got him in this mess was sin. And sin is what always gets us in a mess. And in David's particular case, his sin was fear. His sin was fear. Now, not all fear is wrong. Not all fear is sin. I'll get to that a little bit later. But in David's case, he feared Saul more than he trusted God. That's why he's on the run. That's why he did a foolish thing. That's why he went to Gath. That's why he was almost killed. Because he was motivated by fear, and he feared Saul more than he trusted God. And any time... We fear something more than we trust God, it is sin. Because in essence, whenever we fear something or someone more than we trust God, what we are saying in effect is that God is not able to handle the problems that I face, I am. So I'll take it into my hands 
and I'll try to fix it, worry about it, stew over it. And the fear is usually an indication that we think somehow God is not big enough to solve our problems, but I am. Think about it. That's what real fear is. Being so consumed and obsessed with your situation and your problem, not trusting God, but being so consumed with it that in essence what you're saying is, God's not big enough to handle this, I am. And whenever we think that, either subconsciously or or consciously, what we end up doing then is we subordinate God below us. I'm able to handle this, God isn't. That's why fear then grips our heart. And so we subordinate God and anything that or anyone who subordinates God has then exalted themselves above God and anything that exalts themselves above God is idolatry and idolatry is sin. That's the heart of fear. It is not believing God and trusting God, but believing more in yourself and it is idolatry and it is sin. So the first thing that David does here in Psalm 34, after giving praise to God, look at the first few verses again of Psalm 34. First few verses, he gives praise to God. I will extol the Lord at all times. Or some of your translations say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always or continually be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And then verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Yes, praise God. Because that is what David's reply is after he seeks the Lord. And he says, I sought the Lord and he delivered me from all my fears. So for those of you who take notes here, listen, David's got some advice for us from Psalm 34. And the first one is pray for God's deliverance. Pray for God's deliverance. Now, you can insert whatever your sin struggle might be, but for David, in this context, in this story, it is fear. And so because of that context, that's going to be the focus of this Bible study. The sin of fear drove him to Gath and jeopardized his life. And I suspect that probably no matter what your sin issue might particularly be, and there is usually one that each of us struggles with more than others, probably all of us, are guilty of the sin of fear at some point, worrying about something, being anxious about something. Why is it that the Bible says so many times over and over again, fear not, fear not, fear not, because he's commanding us. That's why the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, because God is not the author of fear. The Bible says perfect love drives out fear. Well, the Bible says that God is love, so that must mean that fear is the antithesis. If God is love and perfect love drives out fear, those things cannot mutually coexist. And so where there is fear, there is sin. And for David, it was the fear, the sin of his life of fear that drove him, that motivated him to make wrong decisions that ended up putting him in a place where his life was in jeopardy. Now, I'm not saying that he should have just, you know, stayed on the streets and been an open target for Saul, okay? It's okay to use the brain God has given you. Be prudent. Go hide from a crazy, demonic maniac. I get that. But don't compound your problems by making foolish decisions because you're not trusting God. David should have not allowed his fear to drive him to a dangerous place like Gath. 
His sin caused him to do a foolish, irrational thing that if it hadn't been for God's intervention, may very well have resulted in his death. And for those of you who think, well, how did God intervene? I thought it was David who did a remarkable job just putting on the acting show. Well, yeah, that's what he did. He acted out this insanity thing, but it was God who ultimately delivered him. It was God who moved King Achish's heart to say, I got enough madmen, just let that guy go. And David understood that. That's why he writes Psalm 34. He's giving thanks to God who rescued him from a very foolish and messy situation. That's what David is saying here through Psalm 34. He's saying, God rescued me from a dangerous situation that I got myself into because I didn't trust God. So I need to thank him and pray that God would deliver me from the sin that got me in this mess. When we don't recognize the root sin issues in our lives and allow God to meet all of our needs, we end up doing foolish, irrational, sinful things that have potentially graver consequences. But thankfully, despite the sometimes foolish, irrational, sinful things that we do, God intervenes and rescues us from the mess that we have created when we cry out to him, and even sometimes when we're too slow to cry out for him. Because God is a merciful God who rescues us from our messes. So David says here, deliver me from my fear. He acknowledges it, and he prays for God's deliverance. He even says further in Psalm 34, verse 6, he says, this poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. He's referring to himself. He's basically realizing his spiritual poverty. He says, I'm desperate. This poor man called out to God and he delivered me from all my troubles. It's the same thing that Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, in the Sermon on the Mount, when he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That when we recognize our spiritual poverty and our need for the Lord, when we come to the bottom of ourselves and we look up to him, then he rescues us. And this is the marvelous thing that David is recognizing here. That's why he will also write in the companion chapter, Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. He said, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? And then he instructs us in verse 8. If you look at verse 8, David writes, this is kind of a familiar verse to many of you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or woman who takes refuge in him. The second advice that David gives us here is experience God's goodness for yourself. Okay? He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. These are words, taste and see. You know, use, he's using language here to communicate. You're going to have to experience this yourself. I just can't explain it to you with words. You know, the truth is, there are just some things that we cannot understand, except that we experience it. People can tell you all day long about something, but until you experience it firsthand, you can't really understand it. And so David is saying that taste and see that the Lord is good. Experience it firsthand. Not everything can be understood unless you experience it. And I'll give you an illustration. Like this. And I could tell you all day long, I could stand here all day long 
and tell you <laughs> just how delightful all of these Krispy Kreme donuts are. Oh, they're so fluffy and light and they're so delicious. They're, they're just air with sugar. Oh, oh, they're so sumptuous. They just melt in your mouth. Oh, they satisfy the palate of the human mouth. Oh, they just cause you to beg for more. And I could tell you all day long just how delightful and delicious they are. But unless you taste them. Oh. Oh, taste and see the Krispy Kreme is so good. And I, I don't, you know, frankly, I don't even care. They don't know how to spell crispy or cream. They're delicious. <laughs> and unless you can experience this yourself. <laughs> oh, delicious. Now, see, the first service afterwards that came up to me said, why didn't you hand them out? I said, I need the dozen for the next service. But, but not anymore, sir. Pass it down the aisle. Pass it down the aisle, sir. Help yourself. Now, they're not gluten-free, but if you're going to die anyway, go with Krispy Kreme. <laughs> you get the point. Now, don't send emails like, did you just compare God to a Krispy Kreme donut? <laughs> oh, stop that. All I'm trying to communicate is this. Some things you can talk about all day long, but until you experience it, you will never fully appreciate or understand. David is saying, listen, I can talk to you about God. I can tell you about my life experience. I can give you my testimony. But I just want you to know that you yourself have to taste and see how good the Lord is. And when people say, well, God is not good and God is not loving and God is not just and God is not merciful, they have not experienced him. Because when you taste and see that the Lord is good, you know that he is all those things. He is just and merciful and loving and great and awesome. And so, and so he says to us, but you're going to have to experience him firsthand. And I just want to encourage you, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, that is the way that you experience that relationship with the Lord, through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are all those who find refuge in him. David says you're going to have to experience this firsthand. And then he adds, further down, verse 9, Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. He says in verse 11, come my children, listen to me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Now notice this, the third and final thing he advises us to do is fear God. Fear God. Now I said earlier, not all fear is wrong. Not all fear is wrong, not all fear is sin. God has actually given us the understanding of some things that should be feared in a healthy and a right way. You know, you don't, you don't get up at the top of a cliff and then, you know, stand on the edge and not have a little bit of a fear because it's a legitimate healthy fear to say, I'm not going to get too close to the edge of a cliff because I could fall off and die. You know, if you're on some African safari, don't get out of the Land Rover and go pet a big cat. <laughs> you should be a little afraid. 
I, I might get mauled by a 400-pound cat. Okay, so there's a, there's a healthy kind of a fear. We actually have to teach our kids this because when they're too young, you know, kids are fearless. They'll do anything. And sometimes we have to actually help our kids to understand there's a reason why you're not supposed to play in the street. You should be afraid of getting hit by a car. There are some legitimate healthy fears. And among those things that are obviously legitimate and good is the fear of God. And David exchanges a bad fear, which is not trusting God, with a good fear of God, which is standing in awe and reverence of a holy and a perfect and a majestic God. And David says, I had to get rid of one fear and I had to adopt another one. And he says, I encourage everybody, listen, he says, I'll teach it to you if you don't know, but you're going to have to learn to fear the Lord. Why? Because the fear of God goes a long way as a deterrent to sin. When you have an awesome reverence of a holy and righteous God, and you know how much he loves you, and you understand that he's merciful and forgiving, that love relationship motivates a person to holy living. Not out of a must-do, because the law says, any kind of this kind of a... But it's a love relationship, and it motivates us to holy living because we understand there's a merciful, loving, holy God who gave his son for me, and that motivates me to want to please him and honor him and respect and revere him. You understand how this works just in, in human relationships? How many of you had, growing up, you had a wonderful relationship with either your mom or your dad or both... And because of the wonderful relationship you had with them, it kept you out of trouble because you were always thinking to yourself, I don't want to disappoint mom or dad because I love them and I respect them. I don't want to hurt them. How many of you that was a motivation growing up to kind of stay out of some trouble? Amen? Okay. Now, some of you d didn't have a good relationship with your parents, maybe don't even know your parents. Okay, so that doesn't always work for every situation. But the point is that when you understand your loving father in heaven... And how much he cares for you and, and is merciful and forgiving and compassionate and patient. Then that love relationship motivates us to sin less. It doesn't mean we become sinless. But it means we are motivated to sin less because of that love relationship. David's son Solomon would write in Proverbs 16 verse 6. Through love and faithfulness sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord a man avoids evil. And there are many benefits throughout the Bible and far too many for us to make a sermon out of today. But the Bible is replete with example after example about the benefits of fearing the Lord. For example, Deuteronomy 6.2. Fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life. Psalm 103.11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Psalm 111.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. Psalm 128.1, blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. God delivers undeserving people from the messes we create so that we might be able to say, as David did at the beginning of this psalm, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. 
glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Because God in his mercy delivers us from our mess. To him be all the glory, all the praise, all the honor. Amen. Each psalm we read is intended to point us to one thing, the sovereignty of our Creator. Through pain, tears, joy, and praise, we meet a new characteristic of God with each new chapter. Though we don't know the melodies that accompany this collection of old, we benefit from the deeply passionate and poetic words. We hope your soul has been touched by the teaching you heard today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary Hamrick will return soon with more from this Old Testament book. But in the meantime, you'll be able to find additional messages at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd like to encourage you to download our mobile app while you're there so you can stay connected to God's Word wherever you happen to be. Each day can be made brighter by the love and power of our Lord. And it's so convenient to have it right at your fingertips. If you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, we'd love for you to come be a part of our weekly worship services on Sundays. Cornerstone Chapel meets at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. each week. Or try our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. For directions and more information, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today, but be sure to join us next time for another in-depth look at the Psalms right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.